Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton, straight out of Australia, back in Australia. Yep, I've done it, and that's why I've been off the air for a while. Um, I have done the move. I am now living on the Gold Coast, so um, that feels good. I'm really, I'm feeling good here, everything's great. Um, Things might sound a bit echoey in here because uh, I'm still waiting for my stuff to get shipped from uh, Sweden, and that includes all my rugs. So, um, yeah, the flats, a little bit, uh, (laughs) still a bit resonant. Um, Yeah, it's been, I've got to say, it's been uh, a bit tough not being able to uh, do a show every week with and or just kicking goals week in, week out, but, you know, had a lot of stuff to do, uh, but we're here now, and oh my god, this is absolute, like, this is, I mean, we're living through some peak, peak Star Wars, absolutely incredible. This, um, the three-episode uh, arc, Nakina 5, The Prison, The Prison Break, I mean, it's instantly iconic, that whole, um, that whole um, storyline. Incredible. I, like, it, it's, like, yeah, like I said, it's unfortunate that I haven't been able to do, do it episode by episode. I can't, like, even begin to kind of describe how amazing it's been, especially after today's episode of Andor, which is like completely crowding out all other thoughts from my brain pretty much because it was so amazing. Um, but yeah, that, um, that prison arc was incredible. That line, I can't swim. What an absolute just kick to the chest. Oh, acting, 10. Dialogue, 10. Direction, 10. Visually, 10. I mean, it's just, to me, Andor is 10 out of 10 all the way. Um, I'm having an amazing time. And it's just, it's actually bending my brain in half that, like, of all the shows, this is the one that got 12 episode seasons. And this is the one, I mean, it's almost overwhelming how much there is and, like, how great it is. Like there's, um, there's episodes of uh, Mando and Book of Boba Fett and stuff that I will continue to go back to probably for the rest of my life. But there's a bunch that I will, I'm like, eh, like, I've kind of seen them enough times now. I, maybe I'll watch them again one day. But, but I just feel like, oh my God, Andor's so good. I got I to gotta keep watching and re-watching <laughs> this stuff forever. But there's already like, Almost 12 episodes of it, and then there's going to be another 12 episodes of it. Ah, it's almost, uh, I mean, it's crazy. So, yeah, um, the, the, the prison arc of, um, of Andor was absolutely brilliant. And uh, so that leads us into this, uh, the final two episodes, kind of a two-episode um, conclusion, in a way, to the season um and it just 
I mean, it opens incredibly in it's such a cool way. Like, um, Andor and Melshi hanging from a cliff as one of those uh, Imperial craft, like one of the ones that you see carrying um, death troopers in Rogue One, flies past, patrolling for the escaped uh, convicts. Just just the bloodiness of the hands and their feet, the desperation of that situation. So good. And uh, this totally just wacky scene that you get... um, with them and these two natives, the Narkinians. Oh, it, I loved it. Oops, there. I'm sorry. I'm like uh, going to be flicking through here a bit um, just to... Because uh, this, so, this episode was absolutely packed with amazing stuff. Um, yeah, so... I just... Um, yeah, I loved the, those those two guys. Um, that was uh, really funny, very charming, great um, creature work. Good on you. I'm assuming Neil Scanlon was uh, heavily involved there. Good on you. Loved it. Seeing the quad jumper straight out of the Force Awakens. Well, obviously it's not the same one, but um, it's a cool design. And always happy to see sequel trilogy stuff. Um, brought back or referenced uh that was cool i mean that (laughs) that net shooting contraption just so um unexpected and so funny and so good um this stuff when it kicks over to b2 emo b2 emo and you realize that marva has passed away and the tragedy of this little droid who doesn't totally understand in a way that she's gone oh heartbreaking and i love that um that this uh this organization she's a part of the daughters of ferrix um yeah really cool to see that um just like just on ferrix like this um, stuff we get later on um, about the funeral rites of that uh, society and how people's ashes are mixed with the clay and and, and they are uh, turned into bricks that are then used in the building of the cities, you know. So the people become part of the city. And it's beautiful. What a great concept. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing we absolutely have to know, but it's dropped in and it's just incredibly effective, incredibly cool. This lovely little um, relationship we're um, seeing between B2 Emo and Brasso um, and Oz, mate. Ah, how good is Brasso? Like, he always came across as a solid, solid fella, but um, he's really... He's earning everybody's affection for sure. Um, Sinta obviously still um, still in play, still keeping an eye on things. We've got this ISB agent also. It's hilarious. You've got Sinta there working at that uh, cantina. And there's an ISB agent right there. You know, they're standing right next to each other. Rebel agent and ISB agent, completely unaware 
of each other. Love that. Um, where, what else have we got here? Yeah, cool, um, cool scene between um, Claire and Vel. Vel's trying to, uh, you know, talk directly to Luthen. Um, man, we're going to talk more about him later, but um, it's just cool. Like I had, a, I had the thought again, and you know, I'm, I don't want to like say negative things about other stuff to point out how how good. Andor is, but um, as someone who, who didn't love the didn't love didn't lo even like the look of the prequels, and didn't like how Coruscant looked some of the time, like obviously, like you, you know, the just the kind of long shots are cool, but there's a lot of um, I don't know. I just th think that like you see Coruscant here. And it's still got the civilization and it's still got the, um, the polish that the uh, galactic center should have. But it's so real and um, tangible because it's all real sets. And um, yeah, good. Interesting in the, um, in the antique shop there, you see the Gungan uh, energy shield <laughs> from episode one. Fun little Easter egg there. Um, yeah, it's very sweet. Brasso offering to stay, agreeing to stay the night with B2 Emo in Marva's house. Oh. All right, brutal scene after that. You see the aftermath of Bix's interrogation. She does not look well. Holy shit. Oh. Heart goes out to her. Apparently, there's been like rumors that she is uh, has been signed up to do some more significant stuff in the Star Wars uh, world. Um, I'm definitely up for that. She's awesome. Um, who knows? It could just be that like that's she's signing up for season two of Andor. Could be that she's signing up for bits and pieces elsewhere. But if they choose to use her. Um, in something in a big way, in something in the future, then yeah, go for it. She's excellent. So they show her a hologram of this uh, rebel cell leader that we've t heard about a few times. Um, his name is Anto Krieger. And they show her a hologram of Anto Krieger and ask her if this is um, the guy that they're, what are they referring to him as? the Axis or something. Anyway, they, they know that Luthen exists, but they don't know who he is. They don't know what he looks like. Um, and they think it might be this guy, Anto Krieger. And they show her the hologram and ask, is this the guy you've been selling stuff to? And she hesitates to answer and it cuts before you see what she says. And I just wonder what's going on there. Is it that she feels like is she kind of weighing up her options? Like, if she, I mean, obviously it's not him, so she could just answer honestly immediately and say, "No, that's not him." But do they think like? Does she feel like? Well, even just doing that, in, in a way, like giving the empire any kind of information is helping them, and she just doesn't want to answer. Who knows? Um, I think we're going to see more of that. 
uh, in next week's episode. Oh, we got some amazing Mon Mothma stuff. Amazing Mon Mothma stuff. This scene with her and Vel, and you see her daughter is basically doing Bible studies. Like it's the um, Chandrillan, Chandrillan uh, version of Sunday school in a way in her living room with an, an elder, as they call her, and another uh, a bunch of um, young Chandrillan women around her age. Um, and they're, yeah, they're basically doing Bible studies. And Vel comes in and he's like, what is, what is this, like, old bullshit, basically? And uh, Mon Mothma says, it's not me. Like, I, I haven't put her up to this. She is attracted to it and even sought out the, the elder herself and found this, this woman to, um, to lead this group. Um, and says that uh, this kind of like old-fashioned um, religious stuff is making quite a comeback among Chandrillan um, people on Coruscant, more so than, than back on uh, Chandrilla itself. Very cool. Again, like I just, the, you know, the um, the crumbs they've been dropping with um, Lida, her daughter, being a handful and someone, and you know, showing that their relationship isn't very good. Um, I just think there's, it's so cool. And there's more, like, they're just revealing more and more of what's going on there. And um, I mean, you, you see Vel ask her like, Oh my God! Has what's what's it called? Has she been accepting betrothals or something? And um, this leads Mon Martha into explaining to Vel, excuse me, exactly how how deep the hole is that she's dug for herself. She explains, you know, all the uh, financial stuff that she's been doing to basically siphon money from the family fortune to the, to the Rebel Alliance and explaining that um, that's not going to stay a secret for much longer and once the Empire finds out, she will be dead, basically. Um, and, um, yeah, that was a great scene and Genevieve O'Reilly just throwing down acting-wise. Like, she kicks ass like i reckon this is but this is her best scene so far um and that's you know just been absolutely killer in every every single moment of the show um and you just see the stress you see the hopelessness and you know the, the desperation it's so good so 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 good all right um and that leads us oh cyril and Cyril and his mum are back. So cool. We get Sergeant Mosk. I didn't think we were going to see him again. And, I mean, this is the embarrassment of riches. Like, I mean, he was an instant favourite in his episodes for me. And um, to see him back, and I love it, on this very frustrating call for Cyril where... Um, they can barely hear each other. It's just like, it's such a cool way of 
you know, it could have been it could have been a very flat, boring like phone call, like, look, guess what I heard? Oh, really? How interesting, you know. And have it being over this shaky connection with this, you know, this poor guy with a bunch of welding going on in the background, making it almost impossible for them to talk. It just makes it so flavoursome. So, yeah, you see Cyril finds out that um, Andor's mother has died, which means it's very likely Andor will turn up on Ferex again. Yeah, great. The mum, she's great all the time. Um, I'm very, oh, very happy to see, I can't remember that, Ni Niamor, is that what it's called? The uh, kind of resort planet that uh, Cassian got um, arrested on. He's back now. A lot of, uh, a lot of commentators, podcasters were wondering that, uh, that, that security box that he had stashed away in that hotel room with all his money, weapons, and the all-important manifesto. Um, what, what happened to that? Is it still there, you know? And we see that Andor sneaks in and grabs it and everything is still there. Awesome. So happy that the manifesto is, is there. Um, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And great. To, I've, I can't believe I've forgotten the character's name already. Anyway, the author of the manifesto. So nice to hear just like a two-word snippet of his voice again. Oh, just reminding us of who we've lost along the way and how far we've come. Yeah, but really, that was great to see. Um, now, oh, Luthen arriving on this planet again to, get to talk to Saw. We got uh, two tubes. Fantastic. Two Tubes is one of my favorite character designs ever. He just rocks. These, um, these black and white X-Wings look so cool. Are we going to see him in action next episode? <laughs> Please let this happen. Oh, my God. Um, just again, this show just looks incredible. I love that, like, visually, this just will flow so perfectly into Rogue One. Like it's just gonna, like visually it just, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it's a, like, it's like 98% as good as how Rogue One looks, you know. Oh, so good. All right, uh, so we get this incredible conversation. Luthen's in, in quite an interesting situation here. He's got a man on the inside He's found out that they are aware of this um, job that Anto Krieger and his crew are about to pull on an Imperial outpost somewhere. If they then relay that information to Anto Krieger and they pull out of it, then people in the ISB are going to realize that someone in their organization is talking and everything will shut down and they'll, uh, they'll lose their ears inside the ISB. So Luthen is uh, basically going to sacrifice Anto Krieger and his 30, 30 men 
to protect his source inside the ISB. And he's now, of course, I guess, heard from Saw that, you know what? I've changed my mind. I've thought it over. I want in on the, on the job and on the mission. And, of course, now that puts Luthen in the situation where he's like, oh, man, but then, then we lose Anto Krieger, his crew, and Saw and his crew. Now it's getting out of hand, so he goes to Saw to basically say, you know, without, trying not to kind of reveal the situ- too much about the situation, but to say, like, how about you don't do it, actually? But, of course, Saw's like, what? You were like... you." How long did you spend trying to convince me to do this? Now you're telling me not to do it. What the hell's going on? And, of course, it all comes out. Um, and I, I just love it. Like, I, I've said this before. I didn't love, in Rogue One, the fact that the Rebel Alliance were so um, splintered, that they were, that were, they were shades of grey. I loved the original Star Wars vibe of just good guys, bad guys, right and wrong, you know. But since they've done it now, and this is just making it kick ass. I, I'm a big fan of it now. I love it. Um, Forrest Whitaker just kicking goals in these scenes. So good. Two tubes that gets involved. It's, it's awesome. Now, there's one line here that I actually, I'm not sure how to read it. Um... Luthen basically explains to him, look, okay, if we pull if we pull Krieger off this, we protect him and his crew, but we lose one of the most valuable sources that we have inside uh, the the empire. So if we're going to play the long ga- long game, if we're going to play to win, we have to make this very unpleasant decision. Uh, Uh, and Saw says, um, for the greater good, Luthen says, call it what you will. And Saw says, let's call it war. It's the line from the trailer. What does that mean? Is it Saw saying, you know what? Get fucked. I'm, I'm going for it. I'm tired of these, like, a little job here and there, poking the empire here and there, poke, you know, prodding... You know, sticking a prickle in their sock. It's time to just... I, I, I'm ready to join Krieger and attack the Empire openly. And maybe that's what we're going to see in the next episode. Or is he saying, all right, enough games. This is a war. We have to, be, we have to play it smart. I mean... If we have to sacrifice these guys in order to, at the end of the day, win, then maybe that's just what we got to do. It will be interesting to see which way that goes. Um, all right, that leads us into this fantastic... Okay, Luthen's on the Fondor, I believe it's called, which is his ship. You get this fantastic conversation with his assistant, Claire... They're basically talking in code. Um, and suddenly a, um, an imperial control, uh, patrol 
ship turns up. Um, they call it, it's referred to as a Cantwell class. So, I don't know, Cantwell class something or other ship. Um, that's a reference to Colin Cantwell who did a lot of the original designs for the first Star Wars movie. I think he took George Lucas's very rough sketches of X-Wings and TIE Fighters and um, created the first, you know, 3D models of those uh, those ships. They, they changed and uh, evolved on from that um, uh, to what you see in the film. But, um, yeah, he did the original, the, the original mock-ups. And he also designed a, a Star Destroyer with these massive um, radar dishes on it, which uh, never got used. But, um, yeah, so that's what we see on screen. It looks a bit goofy, and that is Star Wars, so I love it. Um, i got to say, I, you know, after moving to Australia, I had to buy a new TV. I bought a very large television, just so you know. That, those shots of that Imperial craft, you know, they're like, they're kind of in, they're above this planet, beautiful clouds. Um, and this Imperial craft pulls up behind uh, the Fondor and it just, on that 85 inch screen, it looks bananas. Yeah, super good. So, um, yeah, and then we get into this incredible exchange between um, this ship and Luthen, who is scrambling to um, deal with the situation while, of course, pretending to be an, an, an innocent uh, trader from Alderaan. And, man, like, it's crazy that they, that, that they kind of got this wrong. Like, so many Imperial officers in The Mandalorian are Americans. And it's just like, when you see scenes like this where everyone's got British accents, uh, all the Imperials have got British accents, you just go like, see? That immediately puts me into, in, in Star Wars. It just immediately makes them feel like the real deal. Um, yeah, the bridge on that Imperial ship looks good. I mean, Luthen's ship looks killer. I, and again, I've got to say, I'm always nervous that, you know, as Star Wars goes forward and they have to let go of, of X-Wings and TIE Fighters... Are they going to come up with ships that really, like, are cool enough? And Luthen's ship is cool enough, man. It really is. All the readouts and the buttons, everything, like, it all looks killer. Um, just visually fantastic. And then, yeah, tractor beam, that's classic Star Wars. And then when it kicks off and he, he's got these, like, I mean, the tractor beam's on him and his ship just releases this, like, it's somewhat, like, I don't know, a hail of shrapnel, basically, and it just disintegrates that dish that I guess is uh, for the tractor beam. And one of the coolest, not super long, but one of the coolest space battles in Star Wars history kicks off. Ugh. That, as that cannon comes out, just annihilates the tie bomber that i mean that sh you see that shot in the trailer of that kind of wacky side laser thing 
And he, I was a bit like, yeah, I will see. It looks cool, I guess, but it's a little bit wacky or something. But it was, it just worked super well. Loved it. I mean, I'm like, I'm already pumped to watch that again. Super good. Um, yeah, then we got Andor secretly calling um, this guy who ran that sh like transport business. We met him in a, in a previous episode, and he finds out that his mum has sadly passed away. Ah, oh, and Diego Luna acting his ass off, just kicking ass, man. So it's so sad. And that message that he, he before he, he, he learns that his mother has died, this message that he gives this guy to give her, he, he asks him to tell her, like, you would be proud of me. You know, because he, he never told her that he was one of the people who, who did Aldani, you know. And now he's, you know... Um, inspired 5,000 men to, um, to escape this prison. And he knows that she would, have been, she would be proud of him. And he can't wait to kind of tell her. And then he finds out that she's, she's, not, she's not there anymore. She's gone. It's so sad. And it's like, remember that line from Rogue One? In his final moments on the beach with Jin, he says to her, your father would be proud of you. Because you just know that, like, he never got to tell his mom about the sacrifices he made and the good things he did. And he can see that Jin is facing the same thing because her father had died by that point as well. And he would never know what incredible things she did for the galaxy. So just wonderful. And um, he comes out, Melshi's waiting, and they talk about how, like, like they managed to, get to, to, to escape eventually, but who else did? Like, how many guys actually got away f from that prison? Is it just them? Who knows? Um, but they talk about how they can't just walk away from this. They have to tell people what's going on in those prisons and I love it there you go it's those that simple thing of like like that's making Melshi a rebel now that's making Cassian a, a rebel just the fact that they're going to go out and tell the world what's actually going on there Whew. man I, like I, I've watched the episode twice and both times I've come out of it just like just emotionally wrung out, you know. Incredible. Yeah, this is going to be like an amazing... Uh, it's going to be amazing to see this last episode and then look back at this incredible first season. This is, I mean, this is beyond what I ever could have hoped for for Star Wars on the small screen. Or on the 85-inch screen in my case. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's... It's just majestic. So good. So, um, yeah. I give this episode a fat 10 out of 10. Absolutely love it. So thank you, Tony Gilroy. Thank you, everybody involved with the show. You are, uh, man, 
you're really doing something special. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, I got a quick story to tell. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new in town. I've only been here three weeks. Someone told me about um, a Star Wars trivia night at a local RSL. What's an RSL, you may ask? That uh, stands for Return Services League. It was basically a social club for veterans in Australia. And I'm assuming that their clubhouses were only for veterans originally, but um, they became kind of like um, social centers, basically, you know, for people to go and hang out. You know, they're kind of like pubs slash restaurants in a way. Um, but they do a bunch of other stuff. It, it, they've really grown into these like big kind of social centers, but they still have this total like 1950s Australiana culture to them in a way. So I, I had never been to one before today, I guess, you know, um, as far as I remember. But um, I thought, all right, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go by myself. You know, the idea really is that you go with friends and have a team and whatever. But And I was just like, well, I'm going to go by myself. Um, yeah, it was quite weird, <laughs> as expected. There was one uh, gentleman who uh, was um, a little unusual, came in a, like a costume, but like almost like, a, like how... Like a kid might put together a costume at home with a Nerf gun. It was like firing Nerf, Nerfs at the wall and stuff. It was pretty weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, I won. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I did. I got uh, 25 of the 30 questions correct. It's funny because, like, on the event it said, like, oh, it's, you know, it's not that hard, so everyone's welcome, you know. Uh, there'll be a few tough ones to sort out the winners, you know, but overall it's not going to be that hard. It was a lot of hard questions. Um, some of the questions that I got wrong were, what's Han Solo's call sign on Hoth? I was like, call sign? I don't remember anything about that. And... Um, the answer was Echo 7. I was like, even when I heard the answer, I was like, what is that? I mean, it's Empire Strikes Back. How many times, how many times have we all um, seen it? How could that be a thing? And it's never even been referenced. Um, I can't even hear people mention Echo 7. So I Googled it and lo and behold, um, Echo 5 to Echo 7. Huh, nobody, you read me? It's like the first line of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there's an that was just one example, but um, yeah. A lot of people consider me like the Star Wars guy that they know, and I kind of I did feel a little bit like, um, man, I hope I do all right here, because otherwise my um, my uh, self image of uh, as being like the Star Wars guy is <laughs> gonna be ruined, you know. But uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. All right, folks, I think it's time for a bit of uh, what's... Uh, I, don't, I should standardize the names of these segments. What's that song? Name that tune? Shake that ass? Whatever you want to call it. Let's do it. 
All right, here we go. So uh, let's see what comes up here. Hmm. Not familiar so far. Sounds a bit uh, magical. I really like it. No, I'm gonna have to take a look. Ooh, look! Ray meets BB-8. Ah! Let's try another track. Quite dramatic. Sounds episode three-ish to me. Is this the birth of the twins, maybe? Let's take a look. Oh my god! Way off. This is called The Forces With You. This is from The Rise of Skywalker. I guess it's that moment on um, Exegol, perhaps? Yeah, great. It's nice on Twitter I'm seeing people, you know, talking about how much they like The Rise of Skywalker. That's good to see. I still love that movie. Here we go. Let's go. Let's do another one. Is it oboe or clarinet? I really like that though. No, I'm, I haven't got a clue. Let's take a look. Okay, it's from Attack of the Clones, the Meadow Picnic. Not to be surprised that I don't know that one. Alright, let's try just one more. Plinky plonky, kind of pensive vibe again. Ah, here we go. Something's happening. but I don't know what it is. Ooh. Ah, this is I Can Fly Anything from The Force Awakens. I guess that's when uh, Ray and Finn grab the Millennium Falcon. Cool. All right. Uh, it occurs to me that um, I have not talked about Tales of the Jedi, which also came out. Um, yep, I watched all the episodes. It was very, very good. Um... But I'm not like the biggest uh, Star Wars animation fan yet. Um, I still think one day there will be a Star Wars animated show that really does it for me. 
um, right era, right look, and then I'll be into it. But it was excellent, so I will talk about it next uh, next show. Um, that um, Studio Ghibli short, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies, was fo- okay, I guess, but it really was just three minutes of nothing for me. It was it was cute, I guess, but um, when you see the name Studio Ghibli, the the expectations start to rise. I have to say. All right, um, I think it's time. To do another scene in our Last Jedi rewatch, let's do it. All right, where we got up to is when um, Finn and uh, Rose arrive on Crate in that stolen craft. Oh, one of the questions I got wrong in the trivia was about Rose couldn't believe it they asked like what's her um, job in the resistance and I wrote engineer but the answer was uh, maintenance technician and I'm like yeah but this is kind of the same isn't it anyway that was a bit embarrassing uh, yeah so let's continue <laughs> Rose you're not dead great Oh, that's so good when, when Poe scratches BB-8's tummy. That's good Star Wars. Hmm. So again, like I feel a little bit like some... This is not the case because there's a good balance. Like a lot of the resistance fighters look like regular folks, which they should, and some of them are like cool and good looking, which is, you know, a good mix for a movie. But I don't know that something about the resistance in this uh, in this movie just looks a little bit too good looking or something. <laughs> hmm. Whoa. These crystal foxes. All right, not a big fan of them. They're too pretty. I think uh, Star Wars creatures should basically be a lumpy and ugly most of the time. Hmm. Yeah, this is just them and the base, basically. You know, exposition type stuff. It's not uh, particularly interesting. I don't know. Now when I'm seeing those crystal foxes, maybe I don't dislike them that much. <laughs> it's kind of cool that they're just chilling. Hmm. Here's Finn having a character development moment it's funny I don't remember what he said here sorry this is not uh, super exciting but it's not a very exciting scene alright here we go we're in the trenches this is cool like the inside of the trenches look like raw meat because of you know the crystal that this planet um, planet's surface is made of super cool I mean okay ah oh, there's Gareth Edwards director of Rogue One or co-director really um Got this moment where one of the soldiers tastes whatever that white stuff is, revealing that it's a layer of salt over all that uh, crystal. And we got these rickety speeders coming out. These are cool, really cool, um, asymmetrical Star Wars design. And now we get 
Seriously, some of the best, visually best Star Wars we've ever had. I mean, them cutting through that red is, look at that. The sense of speed, the just like the symbolism of the red. It's obviously, you know, like, look at that. A dozen of these speeders just cutting their way across the, the salt flats. Good musical moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing the full, the, you know, the saga rewatch on this uh, new TV. Sound bar and surround sound and everything now. Um, that's going to be something to enjoy. Ah, now we're in the... Uh, What, you, what is it? The cockpit, I guess, of uh, this this walker with uh, Kylo Ren and and ah, oh, look at this, just this wave of Tie Fighters coming in. Bam, bam! Ah, oh, I can't wait to rewatch all this stuff on this big ass TV. Can't wait. First order Tie pilots. They look super cool. Man, look at I mean, this stuff is all just incredible. Bam! Sound design. I've seen other people mention that as well. That where those like those heavy lasers just pummel through those, um, the trenches. Extremely good. And here we go. Three ties closing on Rose. Rose. Guess who it is. It's Chewy and a bunch of porgs and Ray and the gunners in the gun turret. Like, listen to. Yes, and so do I. Man, the f just the Falcon looks like a million bucks here, you know. Damn. Oh man, again, it's happening again where it just makes me want to just like watch the movie. Ah, oh, so much good Star Wars. Again, like after that very hard and very long prequel era for me, just I'm so thrilled that there's so much new Star Wars now that I absolutely love. And this shot of the Falcon just screaming through these crystal caves. Ooh, the gun, gun turret goes down again. But it's just... Oh, the way those... Um, the green blasters from the TIE Fighter lights up those red caverns. And, like, the contrast is so good. See, this is, this is the cool thing about watching a movie in parts like this. Like, at this point, you've had almost two hours of craziness. And... Um, and this, that whole sequence is having so much impact now, watching it like that. All right, I'm going to stop it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, um, I, love, I love a lot of this. This is some good stuff. Wow. Oh, I'm so pumped. This, like, I haven't actually looked at any of the Star Wars movies on this new TV yet. And wow, does it look good. 
I had to, of course, fight with the TV a bit at first. Like, people, do you know what motion smoothing is? If you don't, please Google it. Figure out how to turn it off on your TV because if you have it on, you are ruining everything you watch unless you're watching sport or the news. Like, get it off there. Um, so, uh, of course, I had to, you know, go through... The, uh, it, I mean, there are two things in the settings especially that you need to change to turn it off. But there's also, there's other things, you know, um, other little things to, uh, to get right with the TV. But um, anyway, I'm pumped about Andor. It's so exciting. Um, it's going to be great to look back on this whole season next week when we have it all laid out in front of us. Uh, thanks so much for listening. It's, uh, it still surprises me that uh, there are people who <laughs> listen to my podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, you're the best. All right. My name is Tom Sutton and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. Hey!